You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Update on Tuesday the 2nd of June. I'm John Herfman from our Customer Treasury Unit and I'm joined this week by AIB's Chief Economist Oliver Mangan to discuss the ongoing economic impacts of the COVID pandemic. Ollie, thank you for joining us. Looking back at last week, we saw the stock markets continue to recover. Can you give our listeners an overview on the week that was? Yeah, well, stock market certainly had another good week last week. You know, despite this continuing stream of very weak economic data, reflecting the fact that, you know, large parts of economies remain in lockdown and governments generally are taking a cautious approach to lifting restrictions in terms of reopening their economies. In particular, social distancing requirements are likely to remain in place for quite some time, and that will hold back the pace of economic recovery. But notwithstanding that, we saw the S&P index in the States climb above the 3,000 level, and quite amazingly, it's, it's back to levels that pertained at the end of last year, and we saw very strong gains of 30% by stock markets last year. So at this stage, obviously, the stock markets collapsed between the middle of February and the middle of March, but the S&P index in the States is up by 35% since mid-March. The Nikkei in Japan has risen by a third, and even European shares, okay, the gains are less pronounced, but the they're up by around 25% from their lows around the middle of March. So even though the data are weak, I think stock markets are taking the view, okay, it may take some time for economies to recover, but the exceptionally, I suppose, expansionary stance to fiscal and monetary policy will lay the foundations for a recovery in economic growth. And in that regard, you know, further policy measures that are being taken. So I think the view in stock markets is that, you know, a rebound is coming at some stage. It may even have to, uh, that's a very strong rebound. It may even have to await the arrival of a vaccine in six or 12 months' time. But when it comes, it will be, it will be strong and, you know, fueled by fiscal expansion, loose monetary policy and pent up demand. And I think another thing we're noticing is that, you know, that there's many unusual features to this recession. And another unusual feature that's becoming apparent is, despite the collapse in economic activity uh, and employment, household savings are actually going through the roof. You know, uh, household incomes are being supported not just by what we call automatic stabilizers, which is unemployment benefit, but you know, target government measures to support incomes through this recession include wage subsidy schemes. So we're seeing savings shooting up everywhere, rising uh, household balances or deposits with the banking system. So there's a build-up of funds there that will unwind at, at, at some stage. I mean, it reflects the fact that it's involuntary savings in the sense that there's restrictions there on shopping and social activities to control the spread of the virus that's weighing heavily in terms of consumer spending. But, you know, the timing and the pace of the unwinding of that big build-up of household savings will be one of the key ingredients in terms of the nature and extent of the recovery in economic activity. So, okay, the data are weak. Restrictions are being lifted at a slow pace. But I think the stock market are looking down the line here and the same well, interest rates are going to remain very, very low uh, or negative. And at some stage, a major economic rebound is going to occur, given what governments are promising to do with more fiscal stimulus in the pipeline. We see the EU Recovery Fund announced last week, $750 billion. The US Treasury Secretary saying it's going to do more. Irish government saying it'll have to extend the support for measures through the second half of the year. And central banks doing, you know, taking actions as well. And that pent-up demand and pent-up savings is 
out there as well will unwind at some stage so it's probably fair to say that stock markets are taking a long view here and it may be 2021 and 2022 before we see the sharp rebound but they think it would become and they're positioning for that it's phenomenal to think that the stock markets have recovered so quickly and such and so much 35 percent, i think since the mid-march period ollie and on the currency front we saw a bit of action as well over the course of the week Particularly with your dollar and your sterling getting above key levels to a lot of people, 90p. Yeah, that's right, yeah. First of all, at times of stress in markets, currencies like the Swiss franc, the yen and the dollar tend to strengthen. So it's what we call in markets risk appetite being on, stock markets doing well, the dollar is losing some of its appeal. So we have seen the euro now climb in the last couple of weeks. And it was as low as 107, 108. So it broke above 110 and even got above 111 last week. So that's a fairly significant move. In regards to sterling, I think there's probably other factors at work there. You know, the euro has gone back, back above 90p. And we've been signaling for some time that this could happen. Because June is going to be a very important month in terms of the Brexit negotiations. And all the indications are the very little progress was made in the first three or four months of negotiations since March. No agreement, little progress we've made. I mean, the Irish our Irish Foreign Affairs Minister, Mr. Coveney, has been saying that. Others commentators are making that point. June is an important month in terms of, first of all, politicians at a senior level, including Prime Minister Johnson, may well get involved in negotiations. And secondly, towards the end of the month, there'll be an assessment. I mean, the UK is going to decide whether it's worthwhile to continue with the negotiations it has until the end of the month to, that's the end of June, to decide if it wants an extension. Now, there's no sign that that's going to occur. So what markets are thinking here is, is that there may be two possible scenarios for the end of the year. Either we get a very bare bones, basic trade deal that doesn't go beyond much further than maybe zero tariffs and then only on goods, or else we could find ourselves with a no-deal Brexit, in effect a hard Brexit, which would come into operation at the start of 2021. And either of those scenarios is not great for the UK economy or sterling. So we have seen sterling drift over the last number of weeks, and we've been worrying about this, that the rising risk of either no-deal Brexit or a very basic poor free trade agreement could weigh on sterling through the summer into the second half of the year. And that's exactly what's happening. So I think Brexit uncertainty is back onto the agenda. It was all about COVID-19 and the measures taken to counteract it in recent months. But there's no doubt that Brexit and the risk of a no deal is coming onto the agenda for many investors and people who need to hedge currencies, etc. Interesting times ahead, Ali. And in turning to the week ahead, the ECB will hold its uh, June Governor Council meeting. What can we expect to see from this, if anything? Well, as I referenced earlier, significant measures have been taken by both governments and central banks to support economies. And given that it might take some time for, I suppose, recoveries to take hold, more needs to be done. And, you know, central banks and governments are gearing up for more action. And, you know, this week, as you say, is the ECB meeting. Now, um, ECB has left its rates unchanged because they're already deeply negative territory. They're at minus 0.5%. And the focus for it has been on quantitative easing and particularly this new 750 pandemic emergency purchase program, which is another form of QE. That has played a very significant role in keeping yields, particularly in peripheral European countries, and I'm thinking of Italy and Spain in particular, at relatively low levels. There's every chance that the ECB will opt to increase the size of that fund. It's already $750 billion, so there could be a significant increase in that fund announced this week. Again, a signal that central banks are prepared to do whatever is necessary to support governments in 
terms of the measures they're taking to support economies, which obviously leads to a sharp rise in budget deficits and much more government bond issuance. So the central bank is standing behind the bond markets, both here in Europe and in the US, and buying bonds to keep interest rates low. So we could see scaling up of that pandemic emergency purchase program, or what people would know as QE, to support the sovereign debt market, to inject more liquidity into the system, etc. And a further measure of what the stock markets are thinking of laying the foundations that when this recovery comes, it will be strong. It will be fueled by loose monetary policy, loose fiscal policy, and as I say, an unwinding of those household savings. So, yes, there'll be a fair bit of attention on the ECB meeting. We'll also get ECB forecasts about the Eurozone economy, and they're not likely to, to be pretty. I mean, we could see a fall of the order of percent of GDP for this year. It'll be interesting, though, to see whether they extend the forecast into 2021 and 2022 and whether they're expecting the economies to recover post-2021 and the scale of that recovery as well. So it will be an important press conference. It will be an important meeting. We'll have revised forecasts and we'll have a expect policy, further policy action being announced by the ECB. And Ali, anything that otherwise we should be on the lookout for this week? Yes, certainly. In the US on Friday, we get the monthly employment report. Now, as I've been saying, the data have been very grim. And this employment report for May is likely to be no different. We saw payrolls in the States collapse by over 20 million in April. And the forecast is that we could get another 7.5 million fall in payrolls in May. And that could push the unemployment rate to you know close to 20%, which we wouldn't have seen since the, the depression of the 1930s. It's a question, again, whether markets will look through that and see that the U.S. economy is beginning to reopen and that that will be the peak in terms of the unemployment rate and that it will start to fall from June onwards. I'd also flag as well, we get Irish National Council GDP data for the first quarter of the year. And obviously, we've had very weak retail sales figures for April and indeed March. So we know that the domestic sector of the economy has been impacted by the measures or the, the lockdown and the measures put in place to control the spread of the virus. But it'll be interesting to see in the Irish case whether that strong multinational sector, and we have a very big ICT sector, we have a very big sector in terms of pharmaceuticals, whether rising output levels and exports for that mitigates to some extent the decline in the domestic economy. So there'll be a fair bit of attention on that data as well. But uh, I think overall, I think most focus will be on the ECB and the measures it takes because from the market's point of view, they know the data are weak, but what they're looking to is continuing stimulatory measures being put in place by governments and central banks to get the economies going once the virus starts to abate. Ali, many thanks for the update. And thank you to all our customers and listeners for joining us today. For those customers impacted by COVID, you can find details of AIB support packages at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. To stay up to date with the latest market developments, please subscribe to AIB's Market Talk on podcast apps for iOS or Android. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.